Hey, 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 buddies. Welcome once again to the Frank Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento, California-based filmmaking company. And uh, my fellow Franco fans, I bring you episode 52, film 52 from the mighty Jess Franco, Les Glutones, The Gluttons. It's a uh, production out of France, 1973. The original title release, unconfirmed, is Les, Exploite, Les Exploites Erates de Machis Dans de Atlantide, French. The Erotic Exploits of Machis in Atlantis. Alternate titles Yaz Tumrakari, Turkish theatrical. Uh, some, come on, uh, excuse me for a second here. My eyes are, these glasses are kind of funny. Lights in just the right spot here, so here we go. Uh, okay, uh, Turkish theatrical Summer Buds. Um, and then the French video Machis and the Glutons. Machis is le Glutonis. That's the version I saw. Uh, and then Le Verches de Atlantide, French video. Virgins of Atlantis, uh, unconfirmed titles, Sexis et Soleil, Sex and the Sun, uh, production company, um, Comte Tout Francois de Friends Production, of course, and same theatrical distributor, Comte Tout Francois de Film Production out of Paris, Robert E. Nassel's company again. Uh, timeline shooting on this, uh, circa June, July, approximately of 1973. Uh, French visa issued on this as Le Glutonesse is September 10th of 1974, and it played France in February 5th of 1975. Uh, theatrical running time on this, the French print is 74 minutes, and uh, yeah, once again, that's the one I saw. Uh, let's see here. Cast on this, uh, same cast as pretty much the last film, um, the Amazons, and this is uh, Machiste, of course, is again played by Walt Davis. Uh, Alice Arno is uh, queen again in this, but she's queen of Atlantis, and she's uh, the reader, uh, and also uh, the reader, Rose, queen of Atlantis. Uh, Robert Woods as um, Caronte. And uh, Montserrat Prouse, again, as Monty Prouse, uh, this time plays Marie, the Queen's blind handmaiden. Uh, Lena Romay is here as Bianca, um, a good, good-sized role in this film. Um, Chantal Baroque as Pupur, and Roger Sarbib, credited on screen, but not visible in any available prints. Uh, Kali Hansa is again in this as Parqua, a mystic, very beautiful with her black cape. She's blind, and then she has to go to Atlantis so she can splash the waters on her eyes and so she can see the healing waters of Atlantis. Um, and then you have, uncredited, Howard Vernon as Calig Caligastro, the magician, playing him for, I believe, the second time, maybe third, I think the second time. And uh, Bigotini as uh, Bigotini, Caligastro's butler. That's awesome. Just like Collie called himself his name. Uh, Caroline Riviere plays the first temptress conjured up by Big Tony. And awesome part, Miss Pamela Stanford in her first Franco film is the second temptress conjured up by Bigotini. Uh, I was really surprised to see her pop up in the film because I didn't know this was her first film. Um, credits, director Jess Franco, screenplay and adaptation, Jess Franco, director of photography, Gerard Bressaud, editor, once again, Gerard, oh, this one, this one, Gerard 
Kikoin, not uh, Robert Deaconek on this. Uh, let's see, music, uh, Robert Vigar, actually Andres Benichou. Uh Producer, presenter, Robert Di Nessel. Uh Continuity, Simone Legion. Still photography, Howard Vernon, once again as Mario Lippert. Uh, assistant editor, Patrick Deaconek. Okay, so he's assistant on this. Um, film stock, Kodak Eastman, and Lab LTC, sound, Michael Kondo. All right, the review from, once again, Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Mr. Stephen Thrower. Review from Stephen Thrower. Arising from the murky mists of Madeira and accompanied by the tendrils of Andre Benichoux's psychedelically wistful guitar theme, the second Machiste adventure takes us into one of the most obscure and magical valleys in just Franco's cinema. For me, it's a place of pure pleasure, but for anyone who has not yet been bitten by the Franco bug, this is just about as impenetrable and off-putting as it gets. Softcore erotica masquerading as a machiste adventure film, available only in an atrocious French-language print swarming with scratches and conveyed via a typically awful C-cam video transfer. Inflict it on the uninitiated, and you'll make enemies fast. For adepts, however, it's a different matter. La espoitise erase de machis dans l'anté, in the form of its only surviving relic, Les Gloutonnets, is replete with mad pleasures, a talking gourd, a reappearance from Howard Vernon's medieval magician Caligastro, okay, so the second appearance, last seen in Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, uh, and predictably inserted female writhing scenes, the hero of a thousand Italian muscleman epics pouncing around the forest in a frilly shirt like a vacationing romantic poet, psychedelic music, a tickling scene, lots of echoed groaning, Le Glutonese will excite the committed Francophile and alienate everyone else. It's impossible to discuss the film without acknowledging as weird its weirdness and incoherence. For a start, the sexy elements are so arbitrarily placed and so extraordinarily out of step with the rest of the film, the one simply gives up trying to address the result as a simple, coherent experience. The original cut, Le Esploitis Iratis de Machis dans Alanti, has never turned up, so all we have to go on is Le Glutonese, a sexed-up variant cut together from three different shoots. The ingredients are as follows. Approximately 40 minutes of location shooting on the island of Madeira, depicting Machiste, Walt Davis, and the Queen of Atlantis, Alice Arno, pitted against the mercenary Carante, Robert Woods, and a wicked sorceress, Kali Hansa. Around 20, I'm sorry, around 12 minutes of the sorcerer Caligastro, Howard Vernon, and his apprentice, Bigatoni. Observing the rest of the film from a gaudy-esque attic space through the auspices of a crystal ball, and a framing device featuring approximately 30 minutes of Alice Arno as a modern-day reader of fantastic fiction, daydreaming that she is the Queen of Atlantis, while being pleasured by a variety of faceless visitors. The resulting hodgepodge veers between ridiculous pantomime and dreamlike beauty. The island location photography looks quite lovely at times, all things considered, but Franco is very much at the helm and 
the handheld zooming and panning will in inevitably aggravate his critics. The interludes with Vernon and Bigatoni are played for farce, but they're amusing and surreal enough to justify inclusion with the sexy writhings of the present-day Alice Arno character as simultaneously mesmerizing and dropily tedious. Please don't ask me how that's possible. All right, let's see, is that one more? If anything, it's Caligastro who knits the disparate elements together, not Alice Arno's character, and certainly not poor old Machiste. Caligastro appears to be aware of both the other time streams. We see him interact with Machiste and gaze into his crystal ball at Alice Arno's present-day writhings, so I guess that puts him at the top of the tree, metaphysically speaking. Then again, he's enclosed at both ends by the framing footage of Arno reading a fantasy about Atlantis. So can he really so can his reality really be the topmost layer? In one scene near the beginning we see Caligastro actually inside Machise's reality. Are we supposed then that Caligastro is entering a fictional world from the vantage point of an exterior reality? Or is he resonant in the same reality as Machise but separated only in time? If the latter, which seems more likely, then the female reader's reality and Caligastro's reality are indeed separate, but hers contains his, and his contains hers. Far out. As you might expect, Franco's Atlantis is a very odd place. It's feudal, pre-technological, undeniably primitive, and yet the queen wears huge leather platform shoes plucked from the trendiest boutiques in 1970s Paris. Arno looks fantastic in her role, her hair a pseudo-Grecian torrent, her eye makeup exaggerating her already feline features. She and her subjects appear to live on a beach, wandering like ghosts around mock pools and cliffside vistas. Stairs are hewn into cinder rocks. Madaria is a volcanic in origin, giving us at least a sliver of a sense that this is the seat of some lost civilization. But as for houses, temples, and the likes, forget it. Remember, this is a post-apocalyptic Atlantean story with a few survivors clinging to the rocks of a neighboring island trying to eke out their remaining years. How typical of Franco to make a film about Atlantis just after it has sunk in irrevocably from view. That's not a great... Uh, there's not a great deal going on plot-wise, but that's hardly news in Franco's filmography. La Gretonise is yet another marvelous mood piece, just Franco's equivalent of a soothing hit of volume. So if you're craving the woozy Franco magic, then believe me, Dr. Jess is in his dispensary, and all is well with the world. Never for a moment would you rate it as one of his best efforts, yet somehow it feels soaked in the weird spirit of his finest work. It's as if Le Glutonais has been stored for years between the leaky prints of the erotic rites of Frankenstein and Countess Perverse, ending up stained with the fluids of its betters. It's ambient Franco, completely 
detached from the real world. Put it on to watch the next time you're convalescing from an illness. I guarantee you that afterwards you'll find it almost impossible to explain what actually happened. It's not a, a real film, more like a wander through a misty garden with no plan, no structure, no distracting sense of a narrative hounding you with details. It resists analysis and just hovers there like a hypo with like a hypnogogic mirage. Think too hard and it'll dissolve into specifics. Turn into a load of softcore groping, a bargain basement cornball adventure. Better to let it be and just enjoy the abstract marvel without reflection. Alright, let's see what they got for music here. Music. Andre Benachot's themes for electric guitar and bass are dreamily psychedelic, occupying a similar contemplative space to the albums of Focus, a Dutch band who had instrumental hits in the UK with 245's Demented Hocus Pocus, which I always like, Hocus Pocus by Focus, 1971, and the distinctly elegant Sylvia, 1972. Similarities are also abound in Benchot's score to the popular afado genre of Portuguese music, in particular the work of Carlos Paredes. Uh, Benchot's cues were obviously added in 1974 when Les de They accompany all of that additional material, but none of the original footage. Uh, the first film was left of it is scored quite differently, relying on rather wonderful orchestra jazz reminiscent of Sketches of Spain by Miles Davis, uh, one of favorite albums of Jess Franco's, and a selection of library tracks for flute and strings that sound like the sort of old Hollywood fluff Andy Milligan might have pilfered for the ghastly ones. Locations. Uh, Porto Moniz, northwest of Funchal, on the Madarian coastline. Chiefly the large, open-air swimming pool formed out of natural rock pools, accessed by stairs, carved into the rocks. Connections. Uh, Le Esploitis Eratis de Machis dans le Alantide is a companion piece to Machis contra le René de Amazons. Film 51. Uh, the two were shot back to back, with the Atlantis film apparently made as a gift from Franco to Robert Di Nessel. Uh, Caligistro, last seen driving his carriage into the ocean at the end of the erotic rites of Frankenstein, reappears once again, played by the mighty Howard Vernon. The white sheeted figures who walk along the beach at Caligistro's behest toward the climax of La Glutonis also feature in. The erotic rites of Frankenstein. Yeah, it looks like they come up from hell in Frankenstein, and this one they come up from these dark caverns from underground, which is like the netherworld, so it's very similar. Very cool. One of the best parts of the film. It's actually toward the end. Uh, other versions. Le Glutonis runs approximately 85 minutes, which close to 30 were, which of which close to 30 minutes were lens after the main shoot on the Madeira. Filmed in late 73 or early 74, the extra material includes numerous shots of Alice Arno and two shadowy lovers. Some sources list the film at 75 minutes. Perhaps this was the length of La Esploitis Erratis de Machis dans la Alente. If so, we're missing around 20 minutes. It's been suggested that there was only ever about 40 minutes worth of footage shot for 
the original film, with Franco adding new material later to turning into something releasable. However, as all of the Madeira material is scored with library music, while the present-day material is scored with Andrea Benicio's jazz rock, it seemed to be possible that the Madeira shoot resulted in a finished, scored, and edited feature that was then cut to make room for the present-day footage. See the uh, stills in the book that show some things. Um, let's see. Note to the that everyone in the scenes featuring Cligistro goes uncredited. Verna Victoria uh, Were there scenes added later also? As she rises on her bedroom floor at the end of Le Cotonis, Arno wears a dark negligee with a white design on each shoulder. She wears the same negligee in The Hot Nights of Linda, shot in late 73 and finished early 74, which suggests that her scenes for Le Cotonis may have been collected then. Note uh, to... Note, Note to the narrative similarities in both Hot Nights of Linda, made for your scene, and Lego Tunis, made for Robertina uh, Hill. Uh, Alice reads a book in bed, which inspires her to imagine the rest of the film. So, yep, and that's the end of Mr. Stephen Thor's review of Lego Tunis. So, uh, yeah, this one. Um, we did the review of it on location in Los Angeles uh, at Collie's residence, and uh, we watched that film and reviewed it there, so you will hear that review. Uh, the version I have is a great market DVD off of the uh, French VHS. Hopefully there will be a nice Blu-ray put out one day soon. But, uh, yeah, so it has no trailer or nothing like that. But, um, yeah, uh, let's see what else. Oh, yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us at... Franco Observer at yahoo.com. Um, you can also find us at Facebook and Instagram. We got pages there. Go ahead and add us, follow us, all that. We post weekly updates on the podcasts and on uh, Instagram, post all the new releases and Franco inspired stuff. Uh, and also stuff about Desperate Visions Productions and our updates on films. So, yeah, all that good stuff. Um, download all the episodes, rate, subscribe, share, tell a friend, blah, 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 blah. Raise the numbers, raise the roof. Um, but well, put pizza on the roof of your mouth because you'll burn the roof. So don't raise that roof. But like Jake Fargo said, blow the roof off, you know. So, all right, let's do that. And uh, it's late here. And I uh, hope you enjoyed all this. Episode 52 and the second half is coming up after the bumper music. A Buenas Noches. Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking company, and I am on location once again in the mighty City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, home of the doors, and I am here once again on this beautiful evening with the beautiful Miss Colleysini. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. I see you're um, astride on the couch. <laughs> Yes, you and your strange, I like to sit on the floor thing. Yeah. I, I get the whole couch to lounge on. Like, totally. You know? I mean, uh, 
uh, cross-legged floor dweller, and she's a couch lounger. So mm-hmm. this is our twos. So we watched the film Las Glotonis, also known as The Gluttons, or we read it as The Glutons, or what was it? The... Um. It was the greedy, according Letterbox yeah. translates it as the greedy, but then strangely on the DVD it said the gobblers. Gobblers, that's what it was. Yeah, the gobblers. So, and there was some gobbling going on. <laughs> there was quite a bit of gobbling yeah. going on. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, this was uh, the second film um, after the um, the Amazons, the Carzan. And uh, he did a lot of this on location and uh, the same deal and stuff to these back to back. So once again, episode 52, film 52, I'm going to uh, go into the synopsis, which is quite wordy. And um, after go through the synopsis, I will ask Miss Sini what she thought of the film and we will discuss said film. All right. <clears throat> read from the text. Three levels of reality, three separate time streams, the present day, medieval times, and a mythic realm just after the sinking of Atlantis. In the present, in her boudoir at night, a woman reads a novel about an island paradise populated by survivors of the destruction of Atlantis. In her imaginings, she becomes the queen of the civilization. In her bed, at various times, anonymous men and women make love to her. In medieval times, an adventurer called Carante is enlisted by Porqua, a female sorcerer, to help her take control of the Atlanteans. The medieval magician Caligastro and his assistant Bigotini observe both the present and mythic past through a magical gourd. Caligastro appears to the traveler and Renaissance adventurer Machiste and tells him that his services are needed by the Atlanteans. Machiste follows a guide sent by Caligastro, a young nymph called Bianca. The two of them swim to the Atlanteans' island, where Machiste is introduced to Rose, Queen of Atlantis. She tells him that in an attempt to dispose her, Carante and Parqua have blocked a magical fountain of love, which sustains the islanders. She begs him to save her people by defeating Carante. Machiste responds by making love to her. Caligastro summons Bianca into his reality and has sex with her. Bigotini also uses magic to find himself a girl. Two females appear and tickle him mercilessly. Meanwhile, on the island, Queen Rose's sister, Purpur, is jealous of the relationship with Machiste. She betrays him to Carante and Parqua. The Queen's blind handmaid, Marie, tells Machiste that danger is imminent. Meanwhile, as Bigotini commands the two women to dematerialize, he looks inside Caligastro's crystal ball and sees Carante who has abducted the queen and is carrying her off to be sacrificed. Alarmed, Bigotini summons his master. Machise is distracted by the encroaching danger because he's falling in love with Marie. As the couple kiss, Bianca raises the alarm and the three head off to find the queen. Carante and Pacqua prepare the sacrifice as the ritual progresses. Shrouded figures emerge from the rocks and converge on the ceremony. Machise pushes Carante into the abyss, but it's too late. Pacqua kills the queen. Bianca rushes forward and stabs Pacqua. Hand-in-hand hand with Bianca and Marie, Machis sets off to seek out new adventures. In the present day, the woman who thought herself queen writhes in erotic frustration. So speaking of writhing in erotic frustration, what did you think about the film? 
Um, <laughs> speaking of an erotic, an erotic frustration, that's that's a funny lead-in. Because, yeah, I mean, it, I, I, I will freely admit it's a little funny. I've never watched a Franco film intellectually with someone before. Like, right. I mean, we're watching this long, as, as you put it, overly long. Yeah. Um, like, softcore, uh, you know, very beautifully shot and all that. But it's, it's just funny being like, oh, look at the lighting. Yeah, <laughs> look, at the, look at these friends. shadows <laughs> of the dances. Yeah, it's a little goofy. But yeah, um, but no, I mean, it's, the the plot was fun though. It's like the whole, they're going to Atlantis, the setting that they're in. Total I mean, fairy tale. Yeah. So crazy that it, you said it was Madeira, Spain, and um, that's and it was the same location as the jungle last night, which is so confusing because it looks completely different than the last film. And so that was, uh, but I mean, the, the location here is just stunning. I mean, there's like a volcano kind of area, and then just the, it's, there's this, like, this lake where this is going to cure a, you know, blind Kali Hansa. And there's so much going on, but it's, it's also just absurd. And there's like a talking jug and yes. all these strange things that, that don't really ever add up to anything, but except for kind of just a beautiful dream. It's just, it, it's, I liked this a lot more than I thought I was going to, because when we were first looking it up, because um, we wanted to try to figure out, it's the, you know, the, the greedy versus the gobbler, and we were right. like, what, what is the chance? So I looked it up on Letterboxd, and I don't usually do, I try to go in blind to things, and so all the reviews are like, oh, this is, this is a mess, and, you know, it's all over the place, yeah. and so I didn't expect much, and then when you see it, and it's like, oh, this is actually, like, more fun than the last film. So. And I was thinking that too because I was talking to you about Sinner and Alyssa Barnalis and how I really enjoyed that. People kind of slam and stuff. It's like, okay, that's why I thought about this. Uh, Location-wise, this is uh, Porto Manez, northwest of Funchal on the Madeirian coastline, chiefly the large open-air swimming pool formed out of natural rock pools accessed by star by stairs carved into the rocks. Yeah, the Madeirian coastline. So Madeira by Madeira. Nice. Yeah, that's fucking yeah, really it's cool. It's just a gorgeous setting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a beautiful place to torture and, and whip people and yeah. stab them and no it's yeah it's uh, fuck them. so like they shot all the stuff with Alice like masturbating and having sex and all that stuff after the fact I read uh, of course um, murderous passions volume one Stephen <laughs> Thrower which we got the synopsis from but yeah um, so yeah you see her like all that stuff was shot later because I mean I will give some of the reviewers credit like a lot of it is a kind of a, just a free for all and you can see how he shot some stuff later to try to like sew it together where it has some kind of a logical narrative with the present day stuff but uh no i mean some of it's here and there but i don't think it was that hard to follow i mean we read a little bit ahead of time to kind of give us a guide but knowing it's three different timelines and the things going back and forth and stuff no i, I really did enjoy it. everybody seems like they're having a really good time um, I really enjoyed Jess Franco's cameo as the talking jug because he hasn't been in the last few films. Yeah, but that was never tied up. Like, where did the talking jug ever go and like, what happened with the talking jug? It kind of was just like it was a thing and then it just yeah. sort of wasn't yeah. a thing. No, because there's, there's a lot of plot Yeah, holes. yeah. <laughs> well, because the, the fat magician guy was like talking to... Uh, the jug and he's like I like you you're a nice guy and you're fun to be around and well, he's like so weird I was like what the fuck you know and uh, yeah because Franco's like yeah. and I was like I totally recognize Franco's voice and it's awesome that like he was just talking animals and he was the talking jug in this yeah so. and the jug was not nice no. the jug was mean right he's telling him yeah, don't do this don't touch me don't tickle me when the he's jug was when an he's angry little him. jug yeah 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 the magic jug <laughs> that talked with Jess Franco's voice yeah and speaking of jugs, um, this has uh, the first appearance of Pamela Stanford in uh, Franco Universe, so that was really nice. 
uh, where she's conjured up with uh, Jess Franco's daughter-in-law in this film with her cool eye makeup. She, yeah, the eye makeup was was really yeah. epic. There was like a kind of three wings on each side of the eyes. Uh, yeah, that, like some had three flying. and some had like two. Like the different women had different styles of that yeah, same very motif. Very carnival cool. or something. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was very magical. That was very cool. It was a good it's, look. It's like the Atlantean Empire of their eye makeup or their design and that. Maybe um, my Halloween look. We'll see. No, you should. That's, it's, a, it's a fucking cool <laughs> fashion, fashion idea. Um, okay, so this film uh, stars Walt Davis again, the, vampire, the highway vampire. And we have the Highway Hall- Vampire the Forever. Highway vampire. That's him now. So now we're, we're going to start looking this guy up and learn a little bit about him. Uh, Alice Arno, of course, returns as the reader and as Rose and Queen of Atlantis. Always the queen. Yeah, she's always so strong and so queen. Um, there's a good scene where she's having sex with Robert Woods and Montessoret Prowse is just sitting there. And and she's actually blind, which I didn't know in the film. She's blind, that's why she doesn't look. And later on, they take her to the water and wipe her eyes, and then she could see you were in the other room when that was going on. But you think they would have done that earlier? Yeah, well, that's why she was sitting there not looking. And, <laughs> I mean, and, they're uh, living there. That's really odd, right? We should we should mention that <clears throat> the Kali Hansa bit about how in the beginning she's supposed to be blind. She needs to get taken to this uh, magic uh, lake to to put her eyes in there so that she can see. And she talks all about it and explains this. And then the next time that we see her, she's fully cured and right. stabbing someone and torturing someone. And, you know, I was kind of kidding, like, oh, you know, we're just supposed to have... Franco's... Jess is giving credit to the audience. And, right. And well, like, he yeah, went, you know, do I have to hold your hand? Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, do I have to hold your hand when we walk through? That's why I think... Because it's like, he tells you what they're going to do. He's like, well, I don't need to show it to you. He already told you and this is what's going to happen. Because we so never even see, see her it. get cured. She's just already, like, she's cured and she's on her. She's already, like, hurting people. People with stab me. It was, it, it, it does jump around quite a bit. It's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, and it's like if if they didn't have certain lines of dialogue and if people didn't pay attention to it, you could easily get lost in this because they don't show you everything. You have to kind of like listen and go along with it. And, and, and it's hard to like make sure that you're paying attention to every line of dialogue oh, yeah. when uh, there's like yeah. a you know ten minute long softcore sex scene <laughs> with cool guitar riffs. Great. Great yeah. jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's some cool stuff. So, yeah, actually, jazz and your your sweet jazz. So I'm gonna go ahead. And speaking of jazz, and also there was jizz in the film I as well. I was yeah. so gonna <laughs> perfect. Yeah, segue there. Um, Gotta so, mention that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's a nice. Uh, we'll go into that in a little bit. Okay. We'll so the list. That. Number one, body of water. Ah. Plenty of body of waters. Two, no sailboats or no boats of any kind. Um, no, they just walked and swam and went to the place. I don't think I've seen... Yeah, no boats. Uh, four palm trees. Yes, 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 in the beginning. Uh, jungle found its sound effects, correct? Chained up person. Was there mm. anybody chained up in this? I don't recall anyone chained up. I don't up. think so either. No, I think everybody was there on their own free will. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. The, the lady tied up at the end when yeah, the, the, the guy queen... Who, he, the, yeah, he yeah, was tied sacrifice. up when... Oh, well, yeah, when she was getting was was... Was it Kali that was? Kali Hansen was torturing him. And then also to Alice mm-hmm. Arno's the queen. When they were sacrificing her, she was tied up on the rocks. And they were oh, killing yeah. her. So, yeah, so she was tied up. Point. Um, let's see. Seven dance scenes on stage stripping. No. Club scenes dancing. No. Jazz music. A little. I mean, it's more rock guitar. And actually, I actually kind of really pay too much attention to the music in this besides that riff, you know. It was jazzy. Pay, okay. Like, pay, you know. Just jazz. I'm actually paying more attention to the music outside of the house as we're recording right now. <laughs> right. And uh, sorry, my neighbors. I could close my windows. Yeah, no problem. 
Uh, let's see, number 10, excessive zooms. There was quite a few excessive zooms, especially on vaginas and on uh, long walks. Lots of excessive zooms. Out of focus shots, same as that. Uh, 12 mirror shots. Didn't catch any mirror shots. Mm-mm. Mind control theme. No. No, the wizards and stuff, but no, not really. Uh, 15 red lights. I'm sorry, I jumped over the most important one. Number 14, magic tongue scenes. Hmm. I don't believe I saw Lena's no. magic tongue. Lena. You would have said it. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't catch that. You're right. Uh, we've seen a lot of Lena's tits and Lena's um, dirty ass. Yeah, we saw around. <laughs> the dirty ass. That was yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, let's see. Number 15, red light. No. Uh, 16, sheepskin rug. Not a sheepskin rug, but a bearskin rug. Some kind of a fur skinned rug. Yeah, the, the finale rug. Yeah, which I was excited about. That was that. Like, oh, there it is. You know, Get a finale was, with a chick just making out with herself on fapping like crazy on a rug. And no ordinary chick. <laughs> Miss Alice Arno. Yeah. <laughs> uh, masturbation with the sea item. Uh, well, sea item may be her claw. No. Um, <laughs> A lot of masturbation in this, definitely. Uh, 17 mad scientists. No, there was a wizard, Caligastro, but no mad scientists. Uh, 18 fish tank shots. No. But 19 talking parrot or animal. No, but a talking jug by Mr. Jess Franco and a magic jug at that. So I will count that as a talking inanimate object or something that's not supposed to talk English but does. Number 20 in credits. Yes or no? No. Just black screen. No fin. No the end. Not a zip. Uh, 21 handwritten notes. I did not see any. Did you see any? No signs, handwritten mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, spiral staircase shots. I don't believe so. There were some rock staircases, cool stairs inside of the rock walls, but no spiral staircases. Uh, inept cops. No, but belly chains. Yes. One belly chain. Yes, we chain. did see the belly chains. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. All excited yeah. About so we got it. excited about that. Um, Okay, so we did Walt Davis, uh, Alice Arno, of course. Robert Woods returns as Carante. Um, Montessoret Prouse is now known as Monty Prouse, which is odd, M-O-N-T-I-E. She plays Marine, uh, Marie, the Queen's blind handsmaiden. Lena Romay, of course, is Bianca. Uh, Chantelle Barak is Purpure, P-U-R-P-U-R-E, Purpure. Uh, Roger Sardib is credited on screen but not visible in any available prints. Kali Hansa is Parqua, a mystic. Uncredited Howard Vernon as Calixtro, the magician. Howard Vernon was good in this. Um, didn't have a lot. He spoke French, which was looked cool. Um, yeah, and, I love hearing uh, French. He had the cool hat. It's my favorite. Oh, but but Kali was really impressed with his sexual prowess and his sexual moves <laughs> when he was having sex with that girl. Yeah, fully clothed, riding her. I guess. Yeah, that was um, <laughs> that was the that was really interesting. Cause, yeah, yeah, he, he was, was like cowgirling her. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that was possible until yeah. today. And he was holding her hands. Learn something like, new doing every this day. With her hands as he's fucking her. Yeah, you know, which is weird. <laughs> uh, like he's just like dancing with her, you know. Yeah, it, they, and she was laughing like it was a silly fun time because yeah. you know usually when you're getting fucked really good, you're just giggling about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then you have Bigotini is, plays. Wow! So we have Bigotini is the actor, and he plays Bigotini, uh, Caligastro's butler. That was the guy with the big mustache. I'm sure he's probably a comedian or something. Uh, kind of remind me of Avery Shriver. If you look back in books, you'll see that guy, '70s actor, comedian. Uh, Caroline Rivera played the first temptress, concert up by Bigotini, which is uh, Jess Franco's 
daughter-in-law or stepdaughter. And finally, Miss Pamela Stanford in her first appearance in Just Franco films is the second Timstress conjured up by Bigotini. So, um, kind of talked to you about this film a little bit. We kind of talked about it's like being just really linear, non-linear. You kind of have to follow things and it's three different timelines and such. But like, I, I know you kind of said that you enjoyed it and it was better than you thought and stuff. But like, um, why do you think this film was better than the last film? What was it that you saw as improvements or what made it to you more enjoyable? Maybe it's just a personal bias um, of the the whole Atlantis mythos mm. and um, the settings. Well, there was like the the capes and there was, it's hard to explain. There was several, the wardrobe was better, several say, scenes, yeah. yeah, that were like, I mean, the very first scene where the, the guy dressed in this silly outfit that he was wearing in the last film, but he's walking out of that big fog and it was oh, like yeah, in, the in, the, shot, yeah. in the jungle. And then the next scene, there's like this, you know, random weird little, uh, the house of worship in 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 the the jungle and then yeah, next to cool it you've got Kali there, yeah. in that crazy cape and that that shot just looked like a scary like it could be a poster for like a horror film yeah big time and you know and and she's wandering and then she she reveals that she's naked under the you know yeah. cloak and he says she's cold and, and she's you know, blind so yeah don't take advantage blind. of me and, and I'll help you and blah 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 yeah and and I mean then there's you know then there's like the volcano scenes where there's the or the, the all the people in the, in the white coats and there's so many different you know beautiful visuals and, and just the setting of of that those mount i don't know what you even call them the 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 volcano uh, ash or the, the volcano well, i mean or, what what around the lake those um the the mountainy sort of uh, oh, yeah. structures of the geological whatever that yeah, was that like was those, it was beautiful yeah. it was like the rock formation yeah. like it was all dreamy that. and it was sweet how like when they first make it to Atlantis oh and they swim in oh my god Lena swimming I mean yeah. Lena swimming oh yeah she just liked to dive underwater a few times and yeah, there was yeah. four you counted four shots where she swam where her butt like scoop, scooped out of the water and she gave us a full you know shot of her uh, goodies yeah um, nice but like in, in, it's like yeah. a full I mean nobody swims like that you know no. nobody just like frolics and happens to stick their entire like whole backside including their you know coochie out yeah, like yeah, the yeah. water like in, in a little swim jump I mean she's just doing that like intentionally trying to lure like a siren this guy to Atlantis and he right. follows after her I mean they, it's it's just all so kind of magical and all the it beautiful is. shots and, and then of course there's that wonderful jizz shot yeah I was going to talk about that <laughs> So compared to the last film, there was sex in the last film and stuff, but it wasn't as explicit and graphic. And this was definitely extended sequences. You see, Alice Arno fucking this guy, dick inside, and you see oh, yeah, the guy shooting loads, nuts all yeah, over. butts, butts meeting nuts. You had uh, you had fucking a one of the first that Collie caught too, like the first time she had saw an actual money shot in a Franco film. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, we, we both. I, I was like. You've never seen that, right? Because I've never seen that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, you know, it, there's like, I mean, Alice is lying there and she gets a whole giant stream of spooge all over yeah, her. Yeah, from about her midsection all the way up to her forehead. Yeah. Just a straight line. Like, whoa, yeah. And I mean, it's obviously fake. Like you said, it was right. like, you know, icing, like it was very the, thick. And then the chick comes in the thing and licks it off of her. But yeah, it was like, whoa. I was like, whoa. 
Like they just did, you know, they had a cum shot in a Franco film. Like what's happening right now? Like it kind of, that happens so early on in the film. I was almost kind of like, whoa, where's this film going? Am I really ready to watch this one? I know. Are you sure this is safe to watch? You know, uh, (laughs) the walls might start shaking. Yeah. (laughs) But it it was, you know, like that was the, the, they they got that out of the way first. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and you know, and Howard Vernon's creepily watching that whole scene from from up yeah. on high. And but that's another voyeur thing of watching. Yeah. The, Always I, the I voyeur. About that just now, just yeah. the eternal yeah. voyeur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he definitely liked to show that. Yeah. But no, it was cool. Uh, yeah, and and I really liked Jess Franco's performance in this. I liked his little snotty comedy talking jug stuff and his little whenever he does the little voice I love his little fake voice yeah. that he uses you know, hundred, yeah favorite. yeah I mean in the last one you know the last one was just like they're like in the jungle and they're you know being like tribal and and but there's this one was like you didn't know where it was going or what it was doing as it was just every scene was like you know just all over the place and that of course the fight scene uh, you know yeah. in the volcano at the end was just really epic and like yeah, honest, there's no, no cutaways it's not edited they're just really going at yeah, it that's like, what they all say crazy stuff I really like fight corn, fight uh choreography and coordination and stuff and, and it was okay but yeah like you were saying one fucking take no cuts all the way through and they were going it was like a couple minutes long and I was really impressed with some of the drops and throws the guys were falling down the hills and getting up and moving and not like it was it was yeah steady. no flinching yeah. no like oh stop you know like that yeah. hurt or anything they just kept going and 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 you know like lots of you know punches in the stomach and yeah. the guy go oof and rolling know, down the hill around. I mean, it was, it was good also, for yeah. I mean you know you expect it that a, if it's a you right, know it's a big duel at the end exploitation or something but you don't expect it in a Franco film no, you know? no, it's like no. oh wow they really really went for it you know yeah i mean this has a lot of stuff you have great nudity you have beautiful i mean you have amazing locations you have cum shots you have fight scenes in the volcanoes you have fucking white cloaked things materializing out of caves during the sacrifice scene when like the world was going to change over and then they get stopped by machis who like seals in the caves with all these rocks that he throws and just because he's machiste he's like hercules or samson or or, you know that was very mythological yeah 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 so he's just like sealing in the the the, you know down into hades or the underworld is trapping these people so they can't come back and rectifying things how it's supposed to be and stuff so yeah it was definitely very fairy tale-ish very cartoonish in a good way very peplum pulp sandal film um, and where the last film was more of a jungle epic, this was more of a sandal peplum type film, you know, very like his Roman, I guess, or Italian compared to maybe, uh, the last film was more, I don't know, jungles of some area. I don't know where, but yeah, I mean, it was just Amazon. It was supposed to yeah, be the Amazon, Amazon jungle. jungle. There totally. There you go. Amazon. Even though it was apparently also filmed in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Which is strange because I don't remember any jungles in Spain. Or no. In Spain. No, I don't, I don't, I'm not yeah, sure. It's I'm, confusing. I'm, yeah, I'm sure there's some uh, areas just in, inland. I mean, it's sure like coast. Machu Picchu in the last, you know, it was like, it was that kind of jungle in the yeah. last film. It didn't look anything like that in this film, so I'm a little confused by that. But but yeah, I mean, it was, it was more of a straightforward. I mean, there was a werewolf and, you know, weird stuff in the last yeah, one, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it just, I don't know. This one was just so like, I mean, when you think of Atlantis, it's like a world you don't know. And I mean, yeah, yeah. it's not, you know, a high budget thing where there's like underwater, like Neptune kind of like crazy. But at the same time, it's just, just the dream. And the and I love the, um, 
the like the toga dresses with oh, you yeah. know even Lena has her boob out yeah, yeah those this, this side straps with it you know you get to see it on the sides uh, all naked and this gorgeous you know it's like they can world build with when you've got Atlantis you can you can make it up you know? right it's not you're not no following the, okay right where the tribal you know leather thing with the right. chain the you know the the necklaces and all that. It's, it's you have to think of what is it what does Atlantis mean to you you know right, right. that's such a fantasy and so it's more fun yeah no, it was definitely and and like you're saying too earlier Lena as a siren is such a great casting choice yeah you know just, she is she is the, the ultimate mermaid yeah siren. yeah yeah so no that was, it was really yeah. really cool and it's cool too Lena it definitely has a more of a part in this and as she's each film each film you see her stepping up stepping up stepping up um but yeah and of course Alice of course rules in this as well um she does <laughs> you have such a crush on Alice oh Alice is fucking awesome and I love her <laughs> every time she comes out you're like oh, oh. oh. I know I, and I wasn't listening after Kali Hansen as much in this one it's like Alice kind of moved up a little bit but Kali's still goddamn you know so yeah but <laughs> to me it's just all Lena yeah I know, I, I, I know. <laughs> you don't ever blink you just stay on Lena <laughs> <laughs> this is true your focus is always yep. Lena you know? <laughs> no me and Moy is like Wow, here's this new one, this new one. Montes Fred Prowse, oh, here's, you know, fucking Brit Nichols, here's this person, that person. Well, I'm sold out, still sold out. That's my, that's my gal, so, you know. But, uh, yeah, 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 evolve, you know, but everybody likes her, so. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I did like this film a lot, like I said, uh, as you enjoyed it as well. It was definitely uh, a nice change of pace. I thought it was going to be very similar to the last film, and it's really quite different. Uh, even with a lot of the same cast and crew and locations and stuff, it, it was kind of cool to show how you can take something and just keep doing different stuff. Um, Howard Vernon is in this as well, uh, as he's listed as Mario Lippert again as the set photographer, so it was cool to see him in action. Um, and, of course, anything with Howard Vernon is funny, like anything he does, his sex scenes or his acting or his toughness or this and that. He's always so suave to me and fucking Dr. Orloff and shit. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't really have too much to say about this besides this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's all just kind of a lovely dream. I, it, to be fair, even though I, we loved it, I think it's probably one for Franco completionists. I don't yeah, think no, it's, it's, it's definitely not one I would say to, rec- too, I would recommend to somebody who wasn't already a fan of Franco. Yeah, there's a little too l- lingering on things, a little too long. It could have used a nice editing shears and a few things and trimmed some things down. But I do understand style and, and that's his thing and and who knows if it was for padding or if it was just for pace or, or what the end goal was for all that, you know. I think it'd be like actually really cool to put on in the background of a party. Oh yeah. Like you'd you know, you wouldn't need to have like no, you could just play call. music and have yeah. that on your screen, you know. Playing. Visually, yeah, you that's could, you could that, follow I it. think that's the kind of thing I'd mark this as. Yeah. I feel like I should have a folder, like a list of that on of films that make sense for the background of the party on Letterboxd right. and that would that'd be this would this kind of thing would be tops where there's just like random you know sex stuff and fights and and beautiful makeup and great wardrobe and gorgeous scenery and it, it's sex all just scenes, kind of a dream you yeah, know yeah. and you can see the subtitles where they're talking to a jug and you know it's right. just silly yeah <laughs> that kind of stuff i love that so yeah no it's, it's definitely uh yeah like you're saying yeah it's definitely well, for, for completionist and it's like for, an imagery dream yeah. yeah 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 so yeah it's not you know where I would say to go if you're trying to turn somebody on to Franco for sure right but, right right I wouldn't say you but know. if you're already up in there it's, yeah. you know it's it's worth a, a dream yeah it's worth 80 minutes of your time you know for it's, sure it's definitely definitely fun um, so yeah um, I don't let me think what else I want to say about this I don't know uh, I enjoyed it and 
check it out and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, this is uh, this of course is gray market DVD. This is the last film. There's no proper DVD release of these. These are all VHS rips. So um, yeah, hopefully they'd be cool. I don't know if they'd ever put this out on Blu-ray, but uh, hey, you know why not, man? I mean, shit. There's worse stuff being put out. They can put out fucking Sharknado 27 or whatever. They can put out fucking some more Franco stuff. So <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, I guess in a nutshell, I'm gonna go ahead and put the wheels on this car and drive it away. Uh, you can get a hold of us at uh, Franco Observer at yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at uh, Franco Observer, the Franco Observer podcast. Uh, you can also uh, subscribe to the show. You can download our show. You can tell everybody about it, and you can give us lots of money. No, um, and but no, just get, give us, give us, uh, let us know you're listening. Give us some numbers and uh, all that good stuff. Um, on a side note. Um, Wrapping up my time here in Los Angeles, a really good time. Uh, a few of us went and seen Suspiria last night outside on the... Uh, the Greek Theater, theater, Greek theater. Out, outdoors in Griffith Park. Yeah, that was very, very nice. It was nice. really fun. It was a very, very <laughs> cool environment and enjoyed myself immensely. And just been taking in tons of movies and uh, enjoyed my time here recording two podcasts at the House of Kali here in <laughs> L.A. So it's cool. Got to... Check out her a very cool abode, a very cool uh, style, imagination, and a very groovy place, I must <laughs> say. So, um, yeah, so uh, good. I'm just uh, kind of stepping on my things. Hey, 30 minutes, perfect. So, I will say it is evening time, so, buenas noches. Goodbye. Adieu. Adieu.